Thank you for joining us here on the Bowling Green Christian Church Podcast. Our mission is to love God, encourage our community, serve those in need, and share the good news of Jesus. You can find out more about how we do this on our website at BowlingGreenChristian.org. It is our prayer that the following message encourages you as you take your next step in faith. All right, today we begin our new series, Ready or Not, and it's about dealing with change because it's all around us. We live in a very fast-paced world. I don't know if you are aware of this or not. Um, Our small group's going through the book um, Life You Always Wanted by John Orberg, which is one of our core huddles here at the church, and uh, we've really enjoyed the study. It's been good. Uh, I noticed that he was talking about going to McDonald's, and and he had some pretty, I think, salient observations about this. You know, we go to McDonald's, he says, not because it's good food. Uh, and he says, we don't go to McDonald's because it's cheap food. We go to McDonald's because it's fast food. Now, he wrote this book about 20 years ago, and I, I started to reflect on that because it dawned on me that, you know, even fast food is too slow for us. Like, seriously, like, we can't be troubled to wait in line at the drive-thru. That's, I mean, that, who's got time for that? I mean, really, my goodness. Uh, you know, so now you can do the order ahead thing. You do get the app out and you can do the order ahead. Or even better, you can do the Uber Eats or the takeout waiter or a, a host of other services will bring the food to you. So they will go, they'll wait in line, they'll pick it up, and they will come to you because ain't nobody got time to be waiting for 90 seconds in the drive-thru. Like, that's, that's insane. I mean, that's crazy because we got things to do, places to go, people to see. It's just how it is. We hate waiting. We hate waiting. What is it about waiting that drives us crazy? I've spent some time thinking about waiting this week, and I think here's what it is. I think waiting is one of those things we hate because it defines who we are, and it defines how we're going to spend our time. You know, we hate waiting because we have said nothing is more important right now when we're waiting than this thing that we're waiting for. You know, you're, you're waiting for the air conditioning repairman to come. You know, and he called you ahead of time to let you know that he's going to be there somewhere between 8 a.m. and 2 p.m. And so if you could just wait at home during that time, that would be fantastic. And so you've said nothing is more important than waiting for the air conditioning guy to show up here today. And so people call you, hey, could you come do this? No, you know, you've called in to to work sick or you've told them, hey, I'm not going to be in until the air guy is here. You have said there is nothing more important than this wait. This is super important. Or, you know, you you call the, the 800 number because you look at your cable bill and it's gone up exponentially this month as opposed to last month. And, and you're going to call and you're going to get this squared away. And other people call in and you ignore those calls. And people come and they visit and they want to talk. And I'm sorry, we can't talk. I have to wait. I can't do anything else until this is finished. It's the wait that defines us. We're defined by what we wait for. And we say there's nothing more important than this thing that we're waiting for. Now, it can be good stuff too, right? You know, you order something on Amazon. Two days I thought was a game changer, but now they're looking at like overnight and even drone and same-day delivery. Whoa, 
I mean, look out, kids. It's amazing. We live in the future. But we wait for that, and we look forward to whatever it is that's coming. We're like, man, this is going to be great. Or you're waiting for, I know we've got some uh, students here. I know some of you are seniors. You're waiting for that big day, and you know the day. Graduation is coming, and you are waiting for that. There's things that we wait for that are good, but they still define who we are. Now, Paul is writing this letter to the church in the ancient city of Thessalonica. And they are a people that are waiting they're waiting for Jesus. They're waiting to hear from Paul. Paul plants his church. In the book of Acts, you read about that. It's got a bumpy start. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. But it's got a bumpy start. And Paul is writing this letter to encourage them. This is probably one of the two earliest letters in the entire New Testament. This or Galatians. We don't know which one. This is probably written maybe 20 years after the time of Jesus. That's it. I mean, so, so close to the time of Christ. And and here's what Paul says to this church who lives in a place that is changing. Their world has been turned upside down by their conversion to Christianity. And here's what Paul says to them. And guess what? It has something to do about waiting. He says this. He says, you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to, there's that word again, to wait for his son from heaven. Paul says right now, church, your job in many ways is to wait. It's to wait for Jesus. And it's a good thing because waiting for Jesus, it changes our priorities. Maybe say it a different way. Waiting for Jesus, I think, makes us like Jesus. That's what the wait is for. If you're here and you're a Christ follower, then you have essentially committed yourself to a life of waiting. You have said, nothing is more important to me in life than waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. That is what is most important to me. The Thessalonians, that's what had happened to them. These were a group of people that had come from probably two sectors of society. Well, there were really only these two sectors of society. You had a group of people who were the Gentiles, and they were worshiping uh, you know, gods, these pagan gods. Some of them were ancient Egyptian gods, and some of them were Roman gods that were actually Greek gods kind of warmed over. And they had been going to these temples to worship these gods. And yet when they heard the message of Christianity, they came out from those temples and they came and they were drawn to the story of Jesus and they became Christ followers. The other sector of the city was a Jewish population uh, that was meeting in the synagogue. And these were people who had been following, you know, uh, the the Old Testament law for, for, you know, hundreds, actually thousands of years. Uh, This was their heritage. And yet when they heard the message of Jesus, they said, we're going to leave all of that and we're going to come out of it and we're going to be united to Jesus Christ. We're going to put our faith in him. And now we are going to wait but both of these people, they've sort of left the world they knew. They, they left their social circles. They left the places that they had worshipped previously. They had left everything behind to follow Jesus. And now Paul says, here's the big thing, church, is to remember that you are waiting. That, that waiting, it's going to shape who you are, and it's going to shape what's important to you. Because that's what waiting does. Waiting determines what you can do. It determines what you can't do. And the Thessalonians have told whoever they had left to come to follow Jesus, they said, you know what? Here's what matters most is that we wait for Jesus to come back. And until he comes back, we're going to live our lives in anticipation of him. That's what the church does. That's what the ancient church in Thessalonica did. That's what the church at Bowling Green Christian Church does. We are waiting for Jesus. That's what we're doing. 
And while we wait, we believe that waiting for Jesus, it makes us like Jesus. It shapes us into people that look more like Jesus a little bit every day. That's what we're here for. We believe that we exist to become less so that Jesus can become more in us and in our neighborhoods. And we believe that Jesus does that as we live lives that are loving and encouraging, as we serve each other, as we share the good news about Jesus. Because while we wait for Jesus, we want other people to come and wait with us. That's that's just reality. That's what we want. We want as many people to come and wait for Jesus as possible. Because we're not waiting like for the doctor. We're waiting for the big game to begin. We're waiting for the lights to dim and for the show to start. But here's the thing. What we're waiting for is more real than the life we live right now. That's what we're waiting for. We're waiting for reality to come to us. We're waiting for for God to come and reveal who we really are and what we've really been created for. And so we wait, not, not like we're waiting for something unpleasant, but for something that's good. I mean, the, the way that, that, that a, a mom who's pregnant, she's waiting to meet this child. I've never met a pregnant woman, and you ask her this question, so when's the big day? When's the due date? When's, when are you going to meet your baby? I've never met a mother who said, you know, I don't know. I didn't think to ask that question. A couple months, I suspect. I mean, it, I don't know. Get here when it gets here, right? That's my motto. I've never met a mom who's like that. They're like, well, you know, I'm in my third trimester, my second trimester, and, and I've got three months and two weeks and four days, and, and this is the day. They know the day. Likewise, I've never met an engaged couple. You say, well, when's the big day? I, I don't know, the fall, I think, sometime in the fall, maybe, winter? I don't, I don't know, somewhere fall, winter, somewhere in there. I don't know, the day I'll get here, when it gets here, no, there's planning and preparations and invitations and save the dates, whatever those things are, and, and all these other things that go out. We got plans. We're waiting. We're waiting for the big day. That's what's happening for us as Christ followers. We are waiting for Christ to return, for the King of kings and the Lord of lords, for the creator of the universe to come back. And while we wait, we're filled with hope. Because waiting for Jesus, not only does it change our priorities, but it changes our attitude the Thessalonians, they don't have it easy. They are facing severe persecution. They are being persecuted from the folks in the synagogue. They're being persecuted from the people in the temples that they've left. The government of their city does not like Christ followers. As a matter of fact, the region is sort of hostile to the truth about Jesus Christ. They, they don't like it, and so they're being persecuted. And, and we're not too far away from a guy by the name of Nero coming to power. So there's all sorts of bad things surrounding the church at this time. And if they had, you know, if anybody had a reason to complain or be upset, it would be the church there at Thessalonica. But here's what Paul says. Even though believing in Jesus has really cost them something, here's what Paul says. He says, in spite of the persecution, he says, listen, I know things are hard. He said, but in spite of that, you receive the word with, what's the word there? Let's say it together, with joy. I meant all of you. I'm sorry. I didn't say it to make that super clear. Let's try that. With joy joy. Paul says you receive the word with joy. That word, that joy, he says it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. He says your joy had made you an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Paul says while you wait, you're filled with joy because waiting for Jesus, it makes us like Jesus. It changes our attitude. 
You know, Jenny and I, when we lived in Southern California, uh, we had these uh, Southern California Disney passes. If you're a local resident, you get in a lot cheaper. And so, you know, before we had kids, we'd go down there sometimes for date nights. And, and so we've, we've kind of always liked that. And I've always marveled at the engineering to make the whole place sort of like, like it's supposed to be happy, right? They call it the happiest place on earth, right? That's what they call it. And so there's always music playing and people are happy and it's clean. And, you know, not that long ago, a few years ago, we took the kids down and, and we were waiting in line and there's stuff like, you know, while you wait in line, there's these artifacts for this ride that you're getting on. And because you spend a lot of time waiting there. I don't know if you're aware of this. You spend more time there waiting than anything else. And, and so while you're waiting, there's music and there's things to look at and maybe a story that you're reading as you go through. The kids' rides, they have stuff they can touch and get flu A and B and C from. And they've got all those things there. And, and it, it dawned on me that, that somebody had spent some time making the wait as pleasant as it could be. They want it to be fun while you wait. Why do they want that? Because happy people spend more money. I mean, this is just clear. They want you to be happy. It's been designed to make you feel good. Not too unlike that. Paul says, listen, while you wait, waiting isn't pleasant. You're facing persecution. He says, but the Holy Spirit is inside of you. He says, if, if there are times, he says, that you can't maybe understand why you f- are filled with joy when everything around you looks like you should not be filled with joy, he says that's because the Holy Spirit is at work in you. He is engineering your heart. He is reworking your heart so that way you would be filled with joy. Paul says the Spirit is at work inside of your attitude and your mind, transforming you, bringing out God's divine joy. Because we wait for very few things with joy. But we have words for people that are waiting with joy. Again, back to the, the expectant mother. What do we say? We say she's glowing. Because it's not polite to say she's sweating. We say she's glowing. She's excited. She's beaming with happiness. That's the word we use for couples, right? They're about to get married. You know, you can't wipe that smile off their face. They're just, they're beaming. There's something about them. While they wait, they are filled with joy. Likewise, when we wait for Jesus, we too are filled with joy. Because waiting for Jesus, it makes us like Jesus. And this joy that the church of Thessalonica had experienced, it it was an example, Paul said. He said the whole region has heard about your joy. And we are in awe of that. They're in awe of that largely because waiting for Jesus, for them it showed the power and the truth of the gospel. When you wait for Jesus, you're saying, listen, there's nothing more important than Jesus He has power over me, and the truth is that he's bringing truth with him, and that this world we live in, it's not as real as the world that we expect. Paul talks about their weight. He talks about his ministry there. He he says this. He says, our message of the gospel came to you, not in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of persons we prove to be among you for your sake. Now, Paul is not boasting about his ministry. He's not even really bragging on the church. He's bragging on the power of God. He says, listen, he says, this church, he says, you shouldn't have made it. He said, you know, we got run out of town before I could really help you get started. He he said, you know, there's nothing here that should have made this work. I mean, the, the Jewish folks were against you. The Gentile folks were against you. The government was against you. Everything was against you except the power of God. That was for you. And he says, that's all you needed. 
Because the power of God is what sustains them. And while they wait, it is reminding everybody that the power of God has the power to transform and to sustain. I mean, if you think about the church starting at this time, it really shouldn't have made it. Judaism had been around for thousands of years. These other religions had been around for thousands of years. And then you've got this upstart Messiah. This, this, and let's be honest, there was a whole bunch of Messiahs running around you know, Judea and Jerusalem at that time. They were all from all over the place, and a lot of them were from better places than the small city of Nazareth where Jesus came from. And yet Jesus, there was something about him. He was God's son, and people could see that, and they could sense that, and the message had a clarity and a truth and a power to it, and they were drawn to it. And Paul says, listen, the reason that the church is surviving and has survived is because of the power of God. The synagogue, those folks, they thought they were going to be back the temple priests, and, and at this time there was temple prostitutes. They, they thought they were going to be back. They thought all these people, they're gonna, oh, they'll be back. But they weren't back because the power of God had changed their life. It had held them captive, and they didn't want to go back. They could think of nothing better than to do than to wait for Jesus. And waiting for Jesus made them like Jesus. And waiting for Jesus, it did another thing. It, it caused other people to be thankful. As other people looked at, at, at the church there at Thessalonica, as other believers heard their story of this small church that got started, they said, man, what an amazing testimony to the power of God. What an amazing thing has taken place here. And, and they, they're thankful for that. If you read through the letter of 1 Thessalonians, you'll notice it's a really positive letter. A lot of people call it the encouragement epistle because it is a letter that's just full of encouragement. It's full of gratitude. It's full of thanks. And Paul starts off the, the entire passage by saying how thankful he is for the church and for their witness and for the power of God. While they wait, they are just showing other people what it means to wait for Jesus, what it means to live in the power of God. Now, tonight at 5.30, the kickoff's going to be there for the, the big game. It's coming. But if you want to get started early, I looked, I double-checked, just wanted to make sure. 11 o'clock today is when the pregame show starts, okay? So the pregame show starts at 11. So that's six and a half hours of pregame. Now, I know some of you here, are not, you're not football people. That's okay. If you want to know everything that's happened in the, the season, you just start at 11, and they're going to have clips and highlights from every single game, even preseason. They're going to have clips and highlights from, all of it, from the whole thing into the playoffs and leading to this moment. They're going to do it for both teams. They're going to have biopics on all of the players, and, and there's going to be some sad stories about like their second cousin who you know, got run over by a concrete truck, and they're playing the game for that person. And I mean, you're going to get it all. You'll have it all in six and a half hours. You'll know everything you ever wanted to know and not know. You'll have it there. They'll have like archaic you know, videos from the 70s because the game played in the 70s is going to have direct relevance here and every time they've ever met over the decades it's going to be there video you can watch it all you can get it it's going to all happen there in the pregame now we might ask the question why is the pregame so long the answer is it sells advertising people tune into it why do they tune into it because they're waiting and they're hungry and they want some more football and this is the last one and they got to get it in today that's what's going to happen and so you can tune in and you can watch the whole thing the whole season you get all caught up in six and a half hours 
Because while they wait, they want to be reminded about what's happened. They want to be reminded about what's important. They want to hear the the pundits speculate on what's going to happen and what are going to be the game-changing elements and what does Las Vegas have to say and the odds and all these things. While they wait, they want to be informed. They want to be reminded. They want to get encouraged. They want to have their appetite, you know, increase for this game. That's what they want. And friends, in many ways, I think that's what the church does. You know, we gather together to be reminded what we're waiting for. We gather together to get a a little bit of a taste of what we're waiting for is going to come to us in heaven. You know, what happens in heaven? It says that people from every tribe and tongue and nation, all the multitudes, every walk of life, they're going to be there and they're going to be worshiping Jesus. And so when we gather together on Sunday morning, we get a pre-taste or a taste of what that is. It's the pre-game show of heaven. And so people, you know, I'm always kind of, you know, discouraged when people are like, well, you know, I, I don't know, you know, people talk about large churches. They're like, oh, I don't know about the large church. Well, you may not like heaven because that's kind of what that's going to be like, friends. It's going to be like a really big church. Like it's going to be like the biggest church ever is going to be in heaven. That's what's going to be there, okay? I don't know about these people. Guess what? Those people are going to be there in heaven. You're going to got to get used to it. It's pregame, friends. That's what it is. We come here to be reminded about what's important. You know, if, if I'll be real transparent with you, there are Sundays I don't feel like coming to church. Can I get an amen? Anybody feel that way sometimes? Maybe you felt that way today? Nobody wants to admit it because you're in church. I'm admitting. I'm telling you, there are Sundays I wake up and I'm like, ah, I don't know about this, but then I come because I get paid to come. Like I have to come. <laughs> like you don't show up and we're like, I don't know, I don't know where it was. Maybe you're spreading mulch all day Saturday. And, you know, it's just kind of. You know, taking it easy on Sunday. But if I don't show up, people, the phone's ringing. You know, people are calling. They're going, what's wrong? Why are you not at church? Doesn't feel like coming. That doesn't work. That doesn't work for me. It might work for you. does not work for me. But I can tell you this. When I come to church, even when I don't feel like it, and I see you here, it encourages my faith. It reminds me why this is so important. It reminds me what we're doing. We're here to encourage each other. To, to, to be reminded that what we're waiting for is something worth waiting for. And that while we're waiting for that to come, while we're waiting for Jesus to return, it is transforming us, it is changing us, because waiting for Jesus makes us like Jesus. There's a story told, I think Max Lucado told it first, I don't know, it's not, it's not mine. It's about this guy that gets married, and before he gets married, he sort of uh, was a slob, um, you know, a man left his own devices, you know, the clothes, he would just, he'd leave them on the floor so that way he'd know what he had worn recently, you know, he could find it more quickly if he needed, you know, something in a pinch, he'd just kind of leave it there on the floor. Dishes, similar kind of strategy, uh, he'd put them in the, the sink and, you know, he would just let it pile until there were no clean dishes, and then it was time to run the dishwasher. You know, that's, that's sort of how this guy left. Did not dust. You know, why would you dust? It just, he's, he's a green housekeeper. You know, wanted to keep it real organic, and so just kind of let it sit there. Let the dust sit on the counters. Let the dust sit on the carpet. That's just sort of how he lived his life. But then he met this girl, and things started to change because she liked cleanliness, She was drawn towards clean things, drawn towards clothes being put into the laundry basket and the bed being made. Who knew that could happen more than once? I mean, the bed gets made and the dishes, 
you know, they go into the dishwasher. They don't sit in the sink. And, and so he started to live like this. And he started to live with clothes in the basket and dishes clean and, and the dust was removed. And, and then one day his wife took a trip, went away for about a week. And he thought to himself, you know, now I can return to my natural habitat. And so for their first day, the clothes all over the floor and the dishes just sat in the sink. The second day comes, similar kind of thing. The clothes are on the floor. The bed is not being made. Dishes piling a little bit higher in the sink. But then he wakes up on that third morning and he looks around and he goes, this place is a sty. And he says, there's clothes all over the floor. And he feels claustrophobic like it's coming in on him. And, and he looks at the dishes in the sink and he can't handle that anymore. And, and he's feeling overwhelmed. And he says, I've got to get this place cleaned up. Now, she's not coming back for a few days, but something's happened inside of him. Maybe it was living in cleanliness. Maybe it was a little bit of the nagging. You know, you hate to admit that thing, but maybe that was part of it. But something's happened, and the man is transformed, and he's changed. And while he waits, he's become different. He's become like a clean person. Friends, waiting for Jesus makes us like Jesus. And that's why we're here, is to wait for Jesus and to be reminded of the importance of that. I want to give you a little bit of a challenge this week. Something you could do every day, and I think you should do it twice a day this week, to, to really lean into this, this power of waiting for Jesus. Because often we don't live our lives in anticipation of Christ coming back. And so at the end of the book of Revelation, there's this, this real simple verse. It's a prayer. It says, Amen, come, Lord Jesus, come. In other words, Jesus, would you come back today? And so here's what I would challenge all of you here, especially if you're a Christ follower. Grow in this by praying for Christ to come back. Start your morning and say, God, would you come back today? Now, as I just say that to some of you, you're feeling like all antsy inside. You know, you're feeling anxious. You're going, I don't, am I ready for Jesus to come back today? Am, do I want him to come back now, like right now? Is that really what I want? And I think what that tells us is we're maybe not quite ready. There's things that we need to take care of. There's, there's a life that we need to maybe make right. There's something that we need to do with that. If we live in anticipation of Jesus, if we really wait on Jesus, it will make us like Jesus. It just naturally happens. So that would be my challenge to you this week, is, is live in anticipation of the return of Christ. Simply pray that prayer. Jesus, would you come back today? When you go to bed at night, say, Jesus, I didn't see you come back today. Would you come back tomorrow? And if we meet next Sunday, if he doesn't return, I think we will see that our priorities change, our attitude changes. We're living in more power, the power of the gospel, as we live waiting for Jesus because waiting for Jesus makes us like Jesus. Let me pray. Gracious Lord, we pray that you would come back. We pray that you would come back soon, God, even to today. God, we'd rather see you than the patriots, we, we promise. God, we don't always live in anticipation of heaven. So God, my prayer is for us today that we would take the time this week, just in simple moments, just a few seconds, really, to simply pray that we would ask for you to come back. And God, while we wait for you, and as we become more mindful of the fact that we are waiting on your return, that is what is defining our experience and existence in this world right now. God, I pray that you would use that wait to make us more like your son, Jesus Christ. We pray all this in his name. Amen.
Thanks for listening. When you're ready to take the next step on your faith journey, visit our website at BowlingGreenChristian.org and find more information about service times and other programming for both adults and children. Thank you again and have a blessed day.